You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's a Twitter Thursday episode of the Locked On Youth Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I am Brian Brown, your co-host, and we are bringing you a hot and fresh batch of takes here regarding University of Utah Athletics, news, notes, and updates. Of course, on today's episode, we're going to talk a lot about the move the other day, letting go of Larry Kriskoviak. What direction might Mark Harlan be heading? What have we heard since the move is made? And what exactly is up with the buyout? Where did that all come from? Before we get to all that, though, we're going to talk a little bit of Utah football. We're in the second day of spring ball, having just been completed on Wednesday. And also a local offer to a talented high school recruit that was also chased by another offer from a program that Utah fans probably don't like that much. All that up coming up next here on the Locked On Utes podcast for Thursday, March 18th, 2021. back into the Locked On Youth Podcast, my Utah friends and family. I am Brian Brown, your co-host, coming to you after what was a uneventful Wednesday for the most part, considering everything that happened on Tuesday. I uh, hope you had a wonderful and safe St. Patrick's Day filled with plenty of corned beef, uh, gold coins, and small leprechauns, not large leprechauns like myself. We have a jam-packed episode again today. Lots to talk about still regarding the move to let go of head basketball coach Larry Kriskoviak. We're also deep in the middle of spring ball. And I want to start with some comments from Morgan Scally. He spoke to the media Wednesday morning and shared a couple news newsy notes, I guess, about some of the schematic differences between last year and years previous at the University of Utah. Scally noted in the beginning of his comments that because of the pandemic, because of the uh, coronavirus guidelines, that they had to play a lot more zone coverage than they were used to. I thought that was an interesting comment because they do have to keep distanced. And so with man-to-man coverage, there is a lot of close interaction. It also probably indicates how difficult last year really was to get that young, inexperienced Utah defense coached up. That, to me, is a big reason why you play a lot of zone. Zone is a little bit of an easier concept for your young defensive players to grasp. They they get the, the assignment a lot more. There's less checks when you're in the backfield. You're not having to roll coverage or roll assignments or check to different things as much when there's motion, when there's multiple receivers on, on one side or the other, when you're facing a boundary or a or a field side, all those things that Utah normally has to do with their man coverage kind of get simplified a lot. But it's also very fascinating. If that was one of the things that they had to do, if they had to go to more zone coverage because of the coronavirus restrictions, uh, what else did they have to change? You know, what were the tackling circuits like? Did they go more on bags? Were, how physical were they in practices? Obviously, we weren't allowed to watch any of that. 
and there weren't a lot of people that were allowed up to view practice anyways. So again, going back to how much COVID-19 has affected everything in, in athletics period, especially in college athletics, really interesting tidbit from Morgan Scally. He also noted that they've moved former walk-ons Amaya Vaughn to corner and Vaughn was a later addition. He was a quarterback out of Texas in high school, later addition to the roster, but someone that that pro the program was very, very excited and very interested in getting. Uh, he ended up playing quite a bit. Most of the year played primarily at safety. And I think it speaks to a couple different things. One, I think Cole Bishop coming in is very highly regarded. I think they also like the development that they've seen from Kamui Latu, Vontae Davis, who, as I've said multiple times on here, was very impressed by. I did not see him having that kind of year, but he was electric. He was great. And, you know, as I think about this now more with Scally talking about it, some of why I think they were so effective and why they were able to turn the ball over so much and maybe why Vontae Davis was able to have such an impact was probably the fact that they were running a little bit more zone. And we did see that the pressure in the pocket was not nearly what we're conditioned to with the University of Utah. And Scally admitted as much in his comments, said most of our pressure packages are based around our man defense. We're excited to get back to that. But I wonder if maybe it's not, I don't want to say the the worst idea, um, but maybe if it's not a little bit more effective to try and mix some more of that zone in. They did run a lot of cover too, a little bit more quarters coverage, which is cover four. So four guys kind of keeping everything in front of them. And outside of really the USC game, I thought that that secondary played really effectively. Uh, a few lapses here and there against Colorado, but it really locked in against Washington State towards the end of the year. And so you have to kind of wonder if maybe a team that has hung its hat on pressure and sacks, if maybe they don't look at things, especially with an offense coming back where you don't know what you're going to get at the quarterback position and there's the potential for turnover a little bit there in terms of throwing the football. And we know exactly that Kyle Whittingham is all about ball control. And I, in my opinion, they're going to run the ball a lot. And I think they're going to throw a lot more short stuff. The more zone that they can see with Covey and, and Money Parks and now Kane Savage playing at the wide receiver possession position, I think the more they can get them in short routes and get those guys in space to where they can get some yak, some yards after catch, yards after reception, the better it's going to be. You'll have four tight ends, four legitimate tight ends in Thomas Yasmin, uh, Dalton Kincaid, obviously Cole Fotheringham and Brant Keithy returning. You'll have a plethora of guys coming out of the backfield that they can catch the ball in Makai Bernard and TJ Pledger. Jalen Dixon returns. He'll be able to stretch the defense, and I don't think that they're going to change a whole lot schematically. You'll still see a lot of orbital motion and a lot of the fly sweep stuff and trying to get to the edge that way with Dixon and possibly Keithy. I, I do think that they'll probably implement some new things and some new wrinkles here and there, but you have to wonder that with essentially three new quarterbacks coming in with the potential to start, maybe even four, depending on how Peter Castelli evolves and, and progresses, you have to wonder if maybe the defense doesn't look at playing a little bit more zone and trying to turn the ball over more. Uh, getting back to moving Zamaya Vaughn, 
up to the corner position, it gives them more length and physicality up there. And that's something that they've always, always, always wanted at the corner position because the corners play a lot of uptight man coverage, but they also play a lot in the run scheme. And that's part of the reason why Utah really likes to run man coverage so much is because it makes their their run scheme and their run fits a lot simpler. You can use your corners there up at, at, to set the edge. You can allow your defensive ends to play a little bit more aggressively. You can let your backers fill the outside. And I think that really where, where you're getting to with this team is that the, the talent on the defensive line is good enough to where you can usually use those forefront guys and effectively stop the run game for most teams that you'll be facing. But I digress. Uh, I'm not going to be the one to say that I know more than Morgan Scally. I just it's something that as I think about the program moving forward, it's something you have to wonder about and you have to think, well, maybe that'll be an option. And and they have to solve the riddle of being able to move the football and being explosive on offense. That's without a doubt. The defense, I think, is going to be fine. It's the offense that really you're looking at and thinking to yourself, okay, what can we do to make ourselves more efficient on offense? And will that require us to throw the football more and thusly be prepared to turn the ball over? Interesting interesting comments from Morgan Scally for sure. It'll be interesting to see what we in the fall see what we see in the fall. If maybe the personnel and the development within the zone scheme last year maybe forces Utah to think a little bit differently than traditional. Another little nugget regarding the Utah football program, local Park City High School prospect Carson Tabo Tabarachi received an offer from the University of Utah Tuesday. He's a six foot two, two hundred and thirty pound athlete, three star one of my favorite players in state, and I could never really figure out why he didn't have just a grip full of offers. Well, they're coming in in floods now. So offered by Cal, then offered by the University of Utah. Deservedly so. He is one of my favorite players to watch, like I said. He is built like a tank, and he moves like a Keithy. And multi-dimensional guy. I'm pretty sure Utah is recruiting him as a linebacker, but he could also fit very well in that H-back position. If you enjoy watching highlights and things like that, I highly recommend watching his huddle film. It is very fun. That Park City team is going to be loaded next year. Probably the most talented 4A team that I've seen in a long, long time. It should be exciting to watch them. But, unfortunately, not more than a few hours later, Tabarachi announced on Twitter that he had received an offer from the University of Southern California. And I think if you're a Utah fan, you just kind of have to throw your hands up because this is the world that we live in now with USC where they are no longer working to discover and recruit and grind on their own talent. They are now just chasing the coattails that the University of Utah is, is putting out there. And it is just an absolutely fascinating phenomenon. We've seen this now for a couple cycles where both USC and ASU like to move in at the end and try and steal Utah's recruits. Tabarachi is a local kid. You know, there's a video of him at one of the Level Up Elite camps wearing a Utah shirt. So there is obviously potential, you know, but it, it is just such an is in intriguing and interesting little side game that these programs are now trying to establish themselves in Utah. Obviously we saw USC come in last year and, and take the Jackson dart as uh, one of their QBs in the, in the 2020 class, the 2020, excuse me, 2021 cycle. Uh, one of the best QB prospects in state in a long time. 
And we've also seen ASU steal recruits left and right from the University of Utah in the past as well. So get out. Get a chance to see Tabarachi when you can. Check out his film on Huddle. He's a fantastic player. But another just fun little aspect of recruiting to follow uh, during the offseason that the game never really ends, even though there's not a scoreboard. It's always going with recruiting. I wanted to share a little story. Uh, I I needed a set of brake pads the other day, and it was funny because I knew exactly where I was going. I was going to rockauto.com. But just to kind of see where I was at and how close it was, I checked out some of the other places. I checked out amazon.com, you know, uh, talked to a friend who can get some parts for a really good deal. And what do you know, Rock Auto was far and away the, the most elaborate, the most... Uh, largest number of variety in terms of parts uh, and without a doubt the cheapest price and and substantially so that's why we talk about rock auto so much that's why they're sponsoring the show today and that's why you need to go to rockauto.com for all of your car parts and your auto part needs family-owned business they've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years now they know what they're doing the site is seat simple easy to navigate they have all the correct parts there for you so you're never going to get anything mixed up they have a massive selection of parts as well so if you have a preferred brand or if you just want to do something on the cheap or if you have a specific taste for something they have it all and as i mentioned the prices are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers or as we like to call it try-it-yourselfers I just don't know why you would want to go anywhere else to spend more money other than rockauto.com. When you go to rockauto.com and you see all the parts available for your car and you make that purchase, make sure to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you, so they know that you're a listener here at Locked On, so they know that that you love the fact that they're a sponsor of the show. rockauto.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Back to business here on the Locked On Utes podcast, courtesy of rockauto.com. It's, everything is, is full speed ahead now in terms of the search for a new head coach at the University of Utah basketball program, and everyone is throwing out their takes on who should be a candidate and who might be interested and who might not. Uh, on the former podcast, they ain't played nobody, they used to call this silly season, and I think that's really where we're at right now in terms of who is interested, who might not be. And one thing to just mention that when you hear people talk about, well, so-and-so is interested or they aren't interested, it's always worth considering where that information might be coming from and who the source of that information might be. Very, very rarely is it ever from the direct source. So there's probably not a ton of people out there who are texting Alex Jensen or Johnny Bryant or so-and-so to find out where where their interest lies. Now, there are definitely, uh, let's call them voices within for the program and whatnot, sources of that nature. Uh, so just as we go through this process, just a reminder that everything that gets said right now is probably biased to some degree in one direction or other, depending on where the source is coming from. Uh, we try to give you as much pure information as we possibly can. I'm, I'm very, very hesitant to share things that I don't know for sure one way or the other for that very reason. 
And I also hate being wrong. And a lot of times when you share information, it can change and you end up looking like an idiot. So, and I'm not, not against looking like an idiot because obviously I do this podcast every single day. You know very well that it happens from time to time every day, but I kind of wanted to take this in a little bit of a different direction and talk not so much about the actual candidates, but what we need to look for or, or what that candidate should, should look like uh, when Mark Harlan does make his decision. We've got some questions that we'll answer at the end of the show uh, regarding the, the process and everything like that. But I think the biggest thing that the University of Utah needs is they need some excitement surrounding the program. And so you're going to need to find, I think, a younger coach or a, a either a massive name that brings a lot of sway and power and branding with it in, in that regards, or a younger coach that understands how to build a brand. And what I mean by that is is not the fancy advertising and everything like that, but it means that they know exactly what they're selling when they go out and do everything. They know how to sell the University of Utah. It's not just, well, our facilities are good. Well, we have a lot of history. It's there is a culture and an environment here at Utah that will allow you to grow as a human and as a player that you will not find anywhere else. You can talk about how it is a isolated mountain paradise that is built for production of NBA players. How you sell the University of Utah matters because this is not a destination school for most kids. Most schools, most kids who are playing basketball now want to go to Nike or Jordan schools. They want to go to schools that are popular. They want to go to schools that send players to the NBA. And the University of Utah is at the bottom of that list. They've only sent three players to the NBA in the last few years. And and while that is a good round number, I think considering everything that they've been through and, and you know, the, the program has sent a lot of guys on to play overseas and et cetera, when you look at it compared to a lot of the higher higher level programs, it, it, it doesn't compare as well. Utah's definitely down on the lower end of that list, especially in the Pac twelve. But that being said, you need to find a Motivated coach who's willing to sell it properly, one who's willing to do the dirty work with getting with the media, getting with the local folks, getting everybody on board, so that you have an atmosphere that when you bring recruits in, they're drawn to it immediately. Because everybody's going to sell the same NBA development, everybody's going to sell the facilities argument, the the negative recruiting against Utah and the perception thereof is what you're really going to have to fight against. And so I think... Hiring a minority coach is something that I would definitely think very, very strongly and passionately about because that would be a major move to indicate that this is a job and this is a program that thinks progressively. We're going to really fight to make sure that, that you're getting the best exposure possible because it meets what the University of Utah is trying to do. They want to educate you. They want you to leave as a better person. They're building a massive network up there so that when you leave the U with a good education, you don't fall flat. And that's a big part of that as well. And I think, you know, so somebody along the lines of Johnny Bryan, I think would fit that role very, very well. You also want somebody who understands that the game needs to be modernized. And I think if you look at a program like Arkansas, where they just put up massive amounts of points and they move, they, they play fast, they play up tempo. 
They play with a lot of three-pointers. That was the exact opposite of the University of Utah this year. And I think your best player coming back is Ian Martinez. His best skill set is pushing the ball. And so you got to get players and a system surrounding him to where they can play up-tempo. I also think it favors Pella Larson very much. I think it favors Lazar Stefanovic. And I think it favors uh, uh, Bert Thielison that's coming back. Uh, Timmy Allen, if he were to come back, it would definitely favor him because he's great in transition. And I was always just kind of surprised that Utah didn't play more in transition. So I think an up-tempo system, but one that is dedicated and predicated around NBA principles. We don't see a ton of that at the college level. I think the motion and the flex offense that Utah ran uh, to a degree was, was cumbersome. And so you're going to want somebody that's a little bit more progressive. And the other part of it, too, is I think you want someone who is savvy to the uniqueness of the culture here in Utah. You can't just bring in the best athletes and the best basketball players possible. You have to bring in the right cultural fits. This is an odd community for a lot of people who haven't grown up here. And I know that the University of Utah, that Salt Lake City is beautiful. I love it here. I've chose to make it my home for a reason. There are opportunities that I could take elsewhere but I love it here for all the same reasons that everyone else does. That being said, it's different if you've never been here before. And I think the comments from Jaquindon Jackson are very evident about how he's never seen mountains like that before, but it snows every week and he doesn't get that. And we've heard Guy Holiday talk about it too. And I don't want to even try and, and echo his comments because they were so strong and so powerful and so good about how this is a different culture with the predominant religion and the predominant mindsets here. So you have to find a coach that understands that, understands the culture here, and knows what they're getting into and knows what kind of players to bring in with it. I think most Utah fans want an established culture very similar to what the football team has. That's something that I don't think is going to really be replicable because football is such a different animal than basketball. And and what Coach Whittingham has done is, is just very different from what basketball coaches do. Kids don't want to stay in a program for three or four years and get player development. So you're going to have to find a way to balance between bringing in talent and developing players and also getting guys who can stay within the program and be culture guys and glue guys throughout the process. And I, I think that also means that you want to find somebody with some experience in terms of building a program or running a program as well, because they'll know how to do that. And I'm going to tell you what you need to do right now and what you need to start building, and that's your betonline.ag account. It's the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action. We have March Madness coming up. There's no better time to start wagering than now. What better way to enjoy the madness while sitting on your couch than to have a little extra cheddar on the line? You need pizza? Go ahead and lay a parlay. You need a new pair of brake pads. Why not get that done with a little bit of a odds-on favorite for Texas or Illinois or Gonzaga? Maybe you feel like betting against your rival just out of pure spite. Whatever the bet is, go to betonline.ag, enter in that promo code locked on. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus, and that way you can make all the spite bets that you want using that bonus and keep your real money invested in making yourself some extra cash on the side. Real-time updated odds and props on almost everything you can imagine. Uh, I mentioned that at one point this year they had an awe, a bet about whether or not Jim Beheim was going to pick his nose on TV. So always worth it. Easy to go there. 
Sign up on the website or use your mobile device. Get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code locked on. That's all one word locked on. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. It's the madness, baby. It's unbelievable. It's Mint Brownie going all the way to the championship. They're going to take on cookies and cream. That's right. I can't do a Dick Vitale accent. I'm sorry. I'm not a good impression guy. But what I can tell you is that the madness is in full swing over at Built Bar. Mint Brownie took care of business. Moving on to the next round. They're in the enticing eight now. We are into the heavy hitters. Cookies and cream versus coconut almond. Oh, man, that's a tough one. We're going to see salted caramel versus cookie dough chunk. And if cookie dough chunk doesn't advance, I'm going to call it rigged. Coconut versus white chocolate birthday cake. We have my personal favorite, my pick to win it all. Coconut brownie chunk taken on lemon almond cheesecake. That might be Jake's favorite. And, of course, the coconut puff peanut butter matchup, which everybody is waiting for the result on. Who knows what happens with all that. The good news, you can go to BuiltBar.com and vote on it right now. You can pick your favorite flavor, and you can order a box of that or a box of all your favorite flavors from BuiltBar.com using the promo code LOCKEDON15, all one word, to get 15% off your order. Remember, that's LOCKEDON15 at BuiltBar.com. Free shipping on all your orders currently. There's just no better way to get on the right track and reward yourself at the end of the day with something healthy than going to Built Bar. All right, everyone, it is a mailbag Thursday. Of course, we're here to answer all your questions. Uh, Jake is not around, so you're going to have to deal with my answers. I apologize for that. We all know that you come here for his, let's be honest. But we're going to start out with one from personal favorite punts for Utah, although I also miss punts for Brown Bear. That was probably my favorite. They ask, do you think football speeds up with the increase in talent scholarships this year? Ritt likes 75 or so plays for the D, but subbing should allow the D to play well with additional snaps. Also, maybe we could wear down less talented teams. It's a good question. I think probably what it depends on is what they see this spring in terms of the offense. It has been a traditionally slow affair. I just don't see them changing that scheme very much because it is a Witt-Ludwig offense, and I don't think either of them really want to go up-tempo. I think they feel like if they can keep it between 65 and 70 plays on the defensive side of the football, that that gives them an advantage. Do I think they should play up-tempo? Absolutely. Because I think you've got enough talent on offense and enough ability to get downhill on people quickly that, well, especially with the versatility of your personnel, where you can split the Keithy, uh, Fotheringham combination out wide or in tight, and and you can motion guys like Makai Bernard, TJ Pledger, Britton Covey all over the place. I just think with the personnel you have that an up-tempo system or an up-tempo pace really fits your offense. And maybe they'll vary the tempo a little bit. It's hard to see. I think a lot of it depends on what they see in the spring. And I think probably the biggest thing is just the command of whoever is that starts at quarterback. A guy like Charlie Brewer is definitely going to be more comfortable in an up-tempo system. It's uh, very similar to what he played, uh, played in at Baylor. And the other part of it, too, is if you're really run-heavy, which I do expect this offense to be more run-heavy than than even what we normally expect, but more varied in the run-heaviness, uh, I think that's actually a great idea because if you can get 75 to 80 plays a game and 50 or 60 of those are run plays, whew, that's looking good. At Shortstack Ute asks, which donor footed the bill? Tongue-in-cheek, but seriously, who's your front-runner for basketball coach? 
in quote or uh, in parentheses most likely to be it. Uh you know what? The early early chatter probably is is either Alex Jensen or Craig Smith. I I've heard that Alex Jensen was not interested in the recruiting aspect of it. That it's it's such a heavy time commitment, and he's not wrong. Uh, he gets a lot more time off with the Jazz, uh, surprisingly, um, and a lot more time to spend with his family. And I think that he can also sit back and wait for the right head coaching job in the NBA if he likes. But there may be some options given to him where he decides that the University of Utah is a better situation. And, and we'll have to wait and see what happens with that, obviously. The other name that I think has really risen to the top is Craig Smith, and understandably so. There's a lot of chatter that he might go to Minnesota, but I don't know that he's really uh, the number one candidate there. I think that's Brian Dutcher. It's his alma mater. I've heard that he really wants to get back there at some point, and they do have a job opening now, which would leave the the door open for Craig Smith. So those are probably the two names that I've heard most consistently early on in the search. And, and my hunch is that Mark Harlan has an idea of who he wants to hire already. You probably don't make this move unless you unless you did, but he wanted to make sure that he covered all his bases, and, and so that was with the announcement that it was going to be a nationwide search and whatnot. Uh, as far as which donor footed the bill, I don't know that there was one. Uh, that statement was really cleverly worded by Harlan uh, to talk about that it was going to be athletic resources, and that doesn't always mean boosters. Um but I think just in regards real quick that most athletic departments that are operating in a loss or, or with a deficit will more than likely take out loans. Where they take the loans out from will probably be the big determining factor for most of them in terms of will you take it from the university general fund? Will you go through an outside uh, uh, entity? Or, you know, you know, there's a variety of other things that I think are floating around out there. Most programs haven't really figured that out yet but they will in 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 due time and so i wonder if maybe that's uh what the university of utah does to to counter the deficit and maybe they just use funds that they're already uh bringing in from from season ticket sales with the football stadium hard to say you know and and maybe there were donors that stepped forward and said you know we'll we'll take care of this um uh, the statement was pretty vague uh to, to i think leave the door open for that one uh at Mike Conley's ass, I can't remember if you said this on the last pod, but if you didn't, if you had to guess, who do you think ends up being hired? Um, uh, who do I think ends up getting hired? Uh, it's probably... Uh, mm, I think probably Craig Smith is the most likely candidate just because he already knows so much about the program. He's already had success at multiple stops. And it's just a super easy hire. Um, I don't know that he would be my choice necessarily. I think I'm more on on Team Earl Watson, but I have not heard his name connected with the University of Utah officially uh, or through any sources. That's just some a name that I threw out there. Um, so it's and and this is still so early in the process too that you're not really hearing a lot. Um, you know, the athletic department's going to be sealed up on this. They're not going to be sharing anything, and then. They're very tight-lipped about these kinds of things. So really any kind of 
information that you'll be hearing will be coming from other sources. So co- coaches that have been reached out to or, or agents or, or anything along that line, maybe possible assistants that have been contacted. And so those processes, those conversations are probably going on right now. So we won't get that information for a little bit further. Brainless Steve asks, what's the necessary checklist of attributes for the next men's basketball head coach to possess, obviously recruiting, but specifically what leads to successful recruiting, what leads to success on and off the court, et cetera. It's, it's relationships. Recruiting is relationships. And so you've got to have relationships with the coaches in your recruiting areas to know which talent to take and which talent to pass on, which guys are, are going to be a fit for your program, which AAU programs you can count on. You know, Compton Magic was a big one for the University of Utah for a while there. They had a great relationship with them. We've seen the connection with Hanna Medela and all the overseas players that he's brought over there. So you have to have those connections. It's another reason why I think Earl Watson is such a good choice because he has deep connections in the AAU circuit. And whatever connections he doesn't have, he can build and generate those because he's Earl Watson. You know, he's been an NBA head coach. Uh, Johnny Bryan is a guy that I think could generate those over time, but if you're hiring Johnny Bryan, you're going to have to make sure, as Josh Josh Newman said, that he comes with a just phenomenal staff because he's does, he doesn't have any experience in this. And I do think he has all the tools in the tool belt to be a great head coach, but at the end of the day, it, experience matters. It, it really does. And, and you know, you could have a great first year and 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 really just knock everybody's socks off, but I think that's the the odds for that kind of scenario are way, way slimmer than the odds for a lot of struggles with a first-year guy. Uh, Now, obviously, we always hope for the best scenario, but that doesn't mean that the odds or the actual outcomes match that. So, At Jeff Ute asks, if the football and the basketball team had to trade one player and one coach, who would it be and what positions would they play? Coach, I think Sharif Shah would be the one coach that you'd want to send up to the basketball program with all his L.A. ties, his energy, his enthusiasm. Uh, you know, I just, I, uh, if you don't love Sharif Shah, like, I'm just saying, um, player, ooh, be tough to say no to, uh, Isaac Baja, uh, who actually tweeted out the other day, um, maybe I'll play basketball in college. Uh, he was a basketball sound at Pleasant Grove. You know who else might actually be a really good basketball player is Cole Fotheringham. Little brother plays for Lone Peak, and he's a dynamite athlete. Uh, Cole is just an incredible athlete. He's so explosive, too, and such a good leaper. So those might be the guys that I would look at. Uh, obviously, you know, seeming Mwala at 6'8", or, uh, you know, Bam Olaseni would be interesting as well. Uh, I guarantee you there are some guys that I've never seen play uh, that are just really knockout, like guard size, that maybe just weren't quite big enough or good enough shooters or something like that that play on the team. Um, Marcus Williams, I think, was a big-time uh, uh, pickup game guy when he was at the University of Utah. I remember Linzel Jackson, and this is a real throwback, when he was at the University of Utah. He and I were in classes together. He was a Rick or a Ron McBride recruit and then uh, didn't last under Urban Meyer, so he transferred and finished his career up at Weber State. But Linzel used to tell me all the time, I'm not a football player, I'm a basketball player. So I guarantee you there is a Linzel Jackson up there somewhere who thinks that they're really a basketball player. Who knows? Maybe it's Britton Covey. Huh? You know, you can get the rack. So, All right, that's it for, for today's episode. Uh, thank you, everybody, for your questions. Thank you for your comments, your kind words. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode with all your news, notes, and updates 
for University of Utah Athletics. We're going to be constantly updating on the coaching search. It is with, without a doubt the biggest story right now. And we will also uh, continue to uh, provide you updates from spring ball as best we can. Hoping that someday we'll actually get to watch some, some scrimmages. That's it for today's episode of the Locked On News Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network for March 18th, 2021. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow.